Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. This week has been a really good week for me for two primary reasons. First, I my fall classes are back in session this week, and I had a chance to reconnect with some of my seminary students, who my fellow seminary students who I had not um, seen since last spring. And then secondly, the classes that I'm taking this semester seem really interesting, and they're definitely thought-provoking. Uh, thought and in fact, one of the assigned readings is the inspiration for this week's podcast. I'm currently reading a book um, entitled Jesus and the Disinherited by Dr. Howard Thurman. Now, some of you may remember, I've mentioned Dr. Thurman before on previous podcasts, but for those of you who don't remember, or for those of you who um, you're hearing me for the first time mention his name, I just want to give you just a quick um, recap of who Dr. Thurman was. Dr. Thurman was an African-American author, educator, uh, civil rights leader, and I know him as a theologian. Um, He was born in 1899. That's right, 1899. But the crazy part is he died in 1981. Uh, And so as a prominent religious figure, he played a leading role in many social justice movements and the formation of many social justice organizations in the 20th century. So now kind of let me get back to the purpose of um, this week's podcast, I was reading his book, Jesus and the, uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. And so um, this is the part that kind of stopped me in my tracks. He was Dr. Thurman was um, leading a delegation of American students over to Sri Lanka in 1935. And so this was 1935. He was going to speak at a law school in Sri Lanka. And the topic of his discussion was civil uh, disabilities under states' rights in the United States. And so he gave his lecture, and shortly after his lecture had ended, the president of the law school actually invited him out to have coffee. And so Dr. Thurman said that the president of the law school said something to him that stayed with him for his entire life and really was one of the reasons that precipitated him writing this book, Jesus and the Disinherited. So what did the president say, pray tell? So I'm going to actually quote him. The president um, of the um, law school said to him, I am a Hindu. And I do not understand. Here you are in my country, standing deep within the Christian faith and tradition. I do not wish to seem rude to you, but, sir, I think you are a traitor to all darker peoples of the earth. I am wondering what you, an intelligent man, can say in defense of your position. So, right? Wow. So, in other words, the president of this law school was asking him, how can you... Being, I'll say black man, but I'm sure that wasn't the word he used, but I'll use the uh, current vernacular. I'll say, how can you, being a black man in America, possibly be a defender of Christianity? That's the long and the short of it. That's the crux of what the president of the law school was asking him. And you got to remember the backdrop of this is, so slavery had ended in 1865. However, desegregation or segregation was legal. And as a matter of fact, in 1896, the Supreme Court ruled in Plessy versus Ferguson that segregation was constitutional. And so that ruling, that ruling established this whole notion of separate but equal. Now, 
a little history fact, we know that later in 1954, Brown versus the Board of Education did away with the whole notion of separate but equal and said that segregation was unconstitutional, a side history note. But nonetheless, so the Sri Lankan's president, uh, the, the Sri Lankan law school president's question made me immediately think of a comment that I hear sometimes when I'm talking to people about my faith, particularly when I'm talking to um, young black men about my Christian faith or about Christianity. They'll say, quote, Christianity is a white man's religion, end quote. Right. And I know any of us who have talked to people about Christianity at some point or tried to share our faith at some point. I know that we've heard that comment. Right. And so my immediate retort to that statement, whenever I hear that is, if you believe that, then you really don't understand Christianity or Christian history. And so let me stop right here and back up and say that I absolutely acknowledge the fact that many injustices and sufferings have been implemented and continue to occur, particularly in America, under the um, banner of Christianity, right? And so to be perfectly clear, we know that this country, America, the United States of America, were made great on the backs of enslaved African people, and they used religion to justify it. Fact, we won't argue that. However, this is where I want to go with this. When we study Christ or when we study the Christ of Christianity, we get a whole different perspective of Christianity and Christendom and what it really means. When we see the authentic Christianity lived out in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then we get a real idea and a real picture of what Christianity is supposed to look like. So let's look at Christ. That's what Dr. Thurman did in in his response to this law school president. And literally, he said they spent five hours having this discussion. So I'll break it down in a nutshell and won't go into all the details. But just a few things about Jesus. When we look at the Christ of Christianity, Jesus was a Jew. It's impossible for Jesus to be understood outside of his sense of community, his Jewish faith, his Jewish culture, and the relationship that the Jews had with God, right? Um, So we know this. And Jesus of Nazareth was a Jew who went about his father's business, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. So right there, the fact that he was a Jew um, and the fact that he was proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand caused a lot of people, even within his community, to look at him differently and strangely. Fact number two about Jesus. Jesus was a poor Jew. So his economic condition at birth, right? We know he was born in a stable in a manger, um, made him relatable to the great masses of people on earth. You got to remember at that time, there were only and still as it is today, they're a rich few, the very um, masses of the people are not rich, but the very masses of the people during Jesus' day were um, farmers and workers and, and poor people. So he could relate to the masses of people given his actual economic condition, right? And here's the third thing that we need to know about Jesus, and we don't think about him in this term. Um, in terms of his humanity, is that Jesus was a member of a minority group. What do I mean by that? Well, we must remember at the time that Jesus was born that that Israel was under Roman rule. They were under the Roman Empire. And so if you'll recall, even when he was born, there was an edict that went out, right, to kill what? All of the male children under the age of two. So that went out. So Jesus was under Roman rulership. And so he understood, you know, 
under all of these conditions, being poor, being a minority and having an authority that really wasn't in favor of you. Yet under all of those conditions, Jesus still began his ministry. And here he is, Jesus, King of the Jews, beginning his ministry directly under the watchful eye of the Roman government. And his message focused on the urgency of a radical change in the inner attitude of the people. Jesus recognized that out of the heart are the issues of life and that no external force, no matter how great or overwhelming, can destroy a people if their hearts are turned towards him. How do we know? Scripturally, Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30. Take my yoke upon. This is Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus recognized that the real key to overcoming one's adversary, the real key to overcoming one's oppressor, the real key to overcoming one's enemy is that anyone who permits another to determine the quality of their inner life, the quality of his or her inner life, gives into the hands of the other the keys to his or her destiny. What do I mean by that? If a man knows precisely what he can do or what epithet he can hurl against you in order to make you lose your temper or lose your equilibrium or to just kind of lose your mind, then he can always keep you under subjection. And so Jesus was keenly aware that a man's reaction to the things that determines another's Jesus is keenly aware that a man's reaction to things that determines another's ability to exercise power over him. Right. What am I saying? How I respond to something, whether I let what you say make me lose control, then if I do that, it absolutely gives you power over me. And so I've got to know that no matter what you say, no matter what you may try to incite or instill or get me to respond to, at the end of the day, it's up to me to determine how I respond to that. And that's why Jesus said in scripture throughout scripture, he would always say, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And the passage of scripture that immediately comes to my mind is Matthew chapter five, verses 38, um, 28 through 30, where Jesus, I'm sorry, verses 38 through 40, Matthew five, verses 38 through 40, where Jesus said, you have heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Now, what in the heck is Jesus talking about? This kind of thinking made no sense to the natural mind. The enemy, the oppressor, the 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 devil that it doesn't make sense. And no, people don't know what to do with that because now here he's telling them, Hey, if somebody is suing you for your, your tunic, go ahead and give them your cloak as well. Or if they hit you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. The whole idea here is that what Jesus was saying is don't let somebody determine your response. You go the extra mile. You, in other words, we would say this in the common vernacular, you kill them with kindness. You don't respond in the way that they would expect you to respond. And so here it is, the, the solution that Jesus found for himself and for Israel as they face the hostility of the Roman Empire becomes the word and the work of redemption for all cast down people in every generation and in every age.
And so here it is, family. The fact of the matter is, is that Christianity, as it was manifested in the life of Jesus, is a way of survival and a way of liberation for all people who are oppressed, for all people who are downtrodden, for all people who are facing suffering. This example that Jesus set. Right. And so remember earlier what I said, that a man's reaction to things determines another's ability to exercise control or power over him. So instead of reacting to what your oppressor or your adversary or enemy says about you, or instead of reacting in a way um, to what they do to you, reflect upon what God says about you. And I think about this. I think about this. Before I even go to the scripture, I think about um, Martin Luther King and his nonviolent movement. And the image that I have in my mind is when they're sitting at the lunch counter and the people come in and they're spitting on them and they're slapping them and they're hitting them. And the people did not respond. And I know that's not for everybody. I, I get that. I know there's the Malcolm X way also. But what I'm saying is, is that when the world began to see the violence and the inhumanity. I think about South Africa and I think about Nelson Mandela being in prison for 26 years. And then the world begins to see the injustice and the world begins to see. And yes, justice sometimes is long suffering. But the fact of the matter is, is that when those images were seen, the world began to respond saying, no, this cannot be. And so again, I go back to instead of reacting to what our oppressors or our adversaries or our enemies or those who would try to do evil to us, instead of responding in a way that they would want us to respond or instead of responding in a way that gives a fleshly response. Let's go to the scripture and remind ourselves of what God says about us. David said this in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Philippians 1 and 6, for he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, right? And I could go on and on and on. I just think about so many scriptures that what the word says about us and what the word promises us, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're facing. And so I'll close um, this podcast with the question that prompted this podcast. How can a black man in America support Christianity? But I will answer this not with my words, but I'll answer this with the words of our Savior from the Holy Scripture out of Luke 4 and 18. And it reads, and this is Jesus talking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So you ask, how can a black man in America support Christianity? That is how a black man in America can support Christianity. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about one of liberating people and setting people free. And what do I mean by that? The, even the disciples, when Jesus came and they said, Lord, will you restore the kingdom? Right. Remember, they're under Roman rule. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, many times Christ doesn't come in the way that we want him to come. Christ doesn't deliver in the way that we want him to deliver. But rest assured that deliverance, that salvation 
and that victory are tied into the Christ and to the God that we serve. That's why I choose Christianity over any other religion in the world, because ultimately victory is assured and we can rest and definitely know that we can count on what God says to us. So remember, family, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by audionautics.com.